0: In my 76 Blast and Oldies.
1: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. I'm the host of the Locked On NBA Podcast as well and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We're going to be previewing Friday's two-game NBA slate in today's show and uh some quick, uh, I guess, reaction to the David Fisdale hire in New York for the Knicks. So Michael Bolton, Let's get to it, to it. Quickly before we get onto that, just LeBron James on, uh, on Thursday. Better play the drop.
1: LeBron James? Just,
0: he's just, it's just astonishing. It is astonishing that the Cavs go up 2-0 over the Raptors. I know Raptors fans must be just absolutely beside themselves with, uh, resignment, with, uh, dread, with just, uh, I don't know. N- I don't even know the right word. I'm sure there's some big word that I could put in there that would fully encapsulate it, but I don't quite have it. LeBron was ludicrous. He continues to be ludicrous. It's unbelievable what we're seeing from him at this age with this many minutes on his body. It is it is astonishing that he is just carrying teams and just saying, we will not lose pretty much. And it's happening. And yeah, he is, as I've said many times, he is definitely, to me, uh top two greatest of all time and really really close to me to say greatest of all time. In fact I'd probably have him and Jordan all pretty much equal at this point again. If you said either one of those, I wouldn't discourage you, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't disparage you for having that opinion. That that's how close uh he was just uh out of control, good today. It was it was an astonishing thing to see. Yesterday, we had news about Igor Kokoskov uh, signing to be the Phoenix Suns head coach. Another one of the coaching dominoes has dropped. This one in New York with David Fisdale, formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies, going to New York. Before I give my thoughts on that, and I do have some thoughts on it, uh, I'm going to take you to James Marcita the host of the Locked On Knicks podcast with just a, a quick reaction from him. You can find out more in-depth stuff there over at Locked On Knicks, but James has got a, a little bit here to, to provide some context, and then uh, and then I'll talk about my thoughts on the Fisdale hiring.
1: What's up, everybody? This is James Marcita, host of Locked On Knicks, with the breaking news that the New York Knicks have hired David Fisdale to fill their head coaching vacancy. The Knicks conducted a thorough search that saw them interview 11 candidates with a wide range of experiences coming from a wide variety of backgrounds. It was in stark contrast to the coaching searches conducted by Phil Jackson, who interviewed a small number of people that he had personal relationships with. The new front office of President of Basketball Operations Steve Mills and General Manager Scott Perry sent a strong message via this coaching search that we weren't going to see the same old dysfunctional Knicks at work. Now, full disclosure, David Fisdale was not my first choice. I preferred former Atlanta Hawks coach Mike Budenholzer, but David Fisdale is by all accounts a well-respected voice around the league and someone who clearly signals that the Knicks of 2018 are not the dysfunctional Knicks of yesteryear. He figures to modernize their offense, stress conditioning and fundamentals, and bring a championship mentality with him from his years as a Miami assistant. He's already been reported to be making plans to visit franchise cornerstone Kristaps Porzingis in Latvia, which is a welcome sign after he clashed with his previous superstar, Mark Gasol, in Memphis. It's a good start for a head coach that Knicks fans have every right to be excited for, and it was an excellent hire by the New York Knicks I'm James Marcida, host of Locked
0: On Knicks. All right, so that's James talking about the hiring of David Fisdale in New York. Fisdale obviously was fired this season after not very many games, after he clashed with Marc Gasol and the team was struggling. And from all reports about Fisdale, as James alluded to, he's well-respected around the league. Tons of respect from his time in Miami, guys like Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, putting out huge positive things about him. We see that all over the place from players. But, okay, he's got a good relationship with players. The reason he got fired is because he didn't have a good relationship with a player. So where do we add that in? I was critical of Fisdale at the time before he was fired for benching Gasol in that scenario with you yeah, riding his bench unit and sitting Gasol for an entire fourth quarter while the team before they were tanking, while they were still looking to be competitive. Yeah, you know, I've yeah again, assistant coach, player development, all that stuff, you know, player relationships coming from the players, it all seems fine. But you can say whatever you want about NBA players. They aren't always the best judge of everything. These are the same group of players who picked Jaleel Okafor and Chris Dunn to be Rookie of the Year for the, uh, the previous two seasons. They get along well with Fisdale. They respect him a lot, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he is a great coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Um, but nothing that I saw from him in Memphis would say this is a fantastic situation for the Knicks. And some of that's to do with personnel that was there. They were the 28th team in pace during uh, the 16-17 season, 7th in defense, 19 in offense. And some of that is a carryover from the the previous yeah, Lionel Hollands and, and Dave Jaeger days, no doubt. But I didn't see massive amounts from, from, uh, from Fisdale to say that this is an excellent hire. I think Budenholzer would have been the better choice, but I don't think Budenholzer wanted to go there. I think he is firmly looking at that Milwaukee Bucks job, and I'm almost certain that he is going to get that position. But Fisdale is a clear, clear, um, probably top pick of the guys remaining. I'd even, I'd have him a similar level to Clifford. I have issues with guys who are old school coaches, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, and the way that they, you know, hamper their team. Mark Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, cool. No worries. Uh, Kenny Smith, another guy that was interviewed. No worries at all. Um, yeah, so Fisdale, clearly a better option, and it's absolutely worth giving him a go. But to me, it's not a 100%. This is absolutely going to do everything. It's going to change the fortunes of this team, and everything's going to be rosy, and he's a great coach. I give him the Uh, chance to be there I didn't really have too many like rotational or or queries about what he did during his time in Memphis I just didn't think that he was necessarily great and I didn't like the the Gasol situation the way that all that went down which I'm sure there's blame there from Gasol and from Fisdale and from the organization and Memphis is far from the most stable organization but (laughs) neither New York but we're going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that goes, uh, with him there. Yeah, he, he did some marvelous stuff in the playoffs with this Grizzlies team that was, uh, really limited at, at times and getting players to play hard. And, and that's going to be a key thing. But let's see how he goes with player development, with young guys like Frankie Nilakina, with their draft pick this year, with a returning, uh, Christos Porzingis, with whoever else they've got, or whoever ends up on that roster. I think we'll have more, uh, cohesive units, more cogent thinking in terms of getting right players in right situations. I feel more confident with that than I did with Jeff Hornacek but it still remains to be seen. But they've got a coach. It's, uh, one of the better options out there. Can't really fault it, but we'll see how it all pans out. So David Fisdale is now in New York as the new coach of the New York Knicks. So congratulations to Fiz. Congratulations to Knicks fans. And let's see if something positive can finally happen in New York after a very, very long uh, period of mediocrity. Let's now turn ourselves to the action for Friday. We will start uh, Friday's action by by looking at the first game. One of those weird games, much like Thursday's games, where there's two games from the same conference. The first game is the Golden State Warriors traveling to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Steph Curry is back quite clearly. He came off the bench in a nonsense move in game two while Nick Young started. Curry will start game three. His minutes will push over 30, and that should mean that Young is out of the rotation entirely. Uh, Otherwise, it was just more of the same, and the game was relatively close, 121-116. Big minutes for Durant. Draymond, uh Clay Thompson. I just think uh we're gonna see Steph take pretty much all of those Nick Young minutes, Kevon Looney getting those backup big man minutes, both JaVale McGee and Geordie Bell were out of the rotation entirely, as was Zaza Pachulia. So you know really Kerr going to, to different sort of looks with uh, with Looney and West. And Green providing the defensive stuff on Anthony Davis. For the uh, Pelicans side of things, a huge minutes to their main guys as well. All of their starters, the fewest minutes with 36 to each one more. We had Drew Holiday play 46 and a half minutes. Davis played 43, Rondo 38. And the bench, only one bloke off the bench saw over 10 minutes. And that was Darius Miller with 17. Or Cech Diala, Ian Clark, and Solly Hill. All saw under ten minutes, and I would imagine a fairly similar distribution of minutes for Game Three, the first game back in New Orleans in this uh, in this series. Uh, obviously, they're going to need to uh, to get a victory here to keep themselves in the series in uh, in some way. The Warriors are favoured by three and a half in this game, and the total is an absolute monster: two hundred and thirty point five points to me. This is the game where the, the value lies on Fanjul. This is the one that you should be looking to stack, I think. Um, when, when we look at that and, and on DraftKings as well, but we'll start off with Fanjul. Rondo is at 7,500. Um, given how much he played in game two. And I had concerns about Rondo in this series, about how many minutes could he get played off the floor. But given the fact that Gentry just doesn't have enough faith in these backup guys, then Rondo at 7,500, I think he's a decently strong guy to have a look at there. 56 in game two. No No worries with really getting on with him. While Steph's at 9,700, a significant price rise. And that does make him... Probably not a hundred percent cash sort of a guy. There are other guys like Clay or Durant or Davis that, are then, and Draymond even that I'd probably prefer in cash over Stephon fangel But he's still obviously quite a solid player, uh, or quite quite a solid option, especially for tournaments. Shawnee Livingston, Ian Clark, your other point guards. Clark is at twenty five hundred bucks, but he had two points in game two, so I'm not sure that we need to get too interested there. Drew Holiday's up to nine thousand dollars as a shooting guard. Exceeded it in game two, had 50 points in those 47 minutes, but... Yeah, that's, that's a big, big number, 9,000, and I'm, I'm not looking at that as one of my cash, you know, must go ahead guys, but it's, he's still got that ability to do it. We saw it all through the Portland series. Didn't do it in game one of this series, but obviously backed it up in game two with a shit ton of minutes. As for Clay, his shot was nowhere to be found in game two. That should change. He's at 6,700, and you'd expect at least a 30-point floor for Clay here, and that makes him a fairly strong guy at 6,700. With your small forwards, Etwan Moore's at 4,500. Shitloads of minutes. Just no production from Moore. If you're going to be looking at him, it has to be for tournaments. But he played 36 minutes and had 20 points in game two. He's averaging just 19 over the last five playoff contests. It's just not enough. Um, and I'm not even sure his upside's really that high. Igadala at 4,600. I would much rather take Andre than Etwan. Only a hundred bucks more. Igadala had 38 in game two. He looks so much more spry. He's going up for dunks. He's doing lots of different things that we haven't seen from him since, uh, probably last playoffs. So I think he's fine to go. Well, Durant at 10-6 almost would be the number one high price guy that I'm looking to bang in, in a cash lineup. That price is sexy. The matchup is good. Um, the ability for him to get 50 feels like you can write that in, in, uh, in the most permanent marker that you can find. Solly Hill's at 2,500. Darius Miller's at 35. Eh, if I'm going to use one of them, it's Miller, but probably not going to look at either of those. Nick Miritich is at 7,200. 7, Big minutes for Miro again in game two. 7,200 is not a bad price. I think that's actually got some cash value in it. Um, if I had to lean one way, I would say tournaments, but I think that Miritich has something to offer there. Well, Davis at twelve nine. You feel good. He's getting sixty. Like that's that's a pretty nice play there. And Draymond uh at nine thousand has been absolutely crushing it, averaging fifty one over the last five contests. I love Draymond. I love a Draymond Durant cash combo. Assuming you can get some of those other cheap guys in to fit around. Kavon Looney could be one of those cheap players. 3,600 for Kavon had 22 in game two. He's getting you around 19 over or 19 and a half over the last three games and that's fine at 3,600. He could be one of those guys that you could fit into your lineup to get some of those higher priced players in. Davo West's at 43. I would give Looney at 3,600 every day over West. And Czech Diallo's at 2000. It's interesting. He's just not going to play enough. So I think we have to leave that alone. For the centers, there is absolutely no center that you want from this game at all. You have to be getting centers, uh, out of the other game. I think the only really center eligible play here is JaVale McGee and he didn't even play in game two. So that could make it, uh, could make it a little bit difficult to, uh, to get that happening on Draft Kings. Um, Rondo at 73. Etuan Moore at 41. I think Moore at 41 is a little bit more appealing, especially with the three-point bonuses you get on DraftKings, but it's still not super interesting. Rondo's fine. 76 for Drew Holiday. I love that. That is as smashable as it gets. Clay's at 59. Love it. Miritich at 62. Love it. Tone Davis, 10-7. Durant, 9-3. Steph, 8-7. Draymond, 8-2. These prices are stupid low on DraftKings, so the scoring is going to be very high. Now, out of that group of guys... All of those players are cash players. Who is the number one? I think Durant at 9-3. It's really hard to go past him there. And 10-7 for Davis. They are two absolute standout picks to me uh, on the DraftKings settings. Iguodala at 45 doesn't have the same appeal as he does on Fangio, especially with so many other appealing options. And Looney at 34 in a similar boat to how he looks over on Fangio. For Yahoo, um, I think Etwan Moore at 1400 given the way the other salaries structure up, is an interesting tournament guy. I don't like him as much on the other sites, but I like him more on Yahoo. Minimum uh, salary for Kevon Looney, strong. Iguodala, Clay, Rondo, Draymond, Drew, and Davis there. There are a real bunch of guys. That are, well, of course, there are a bunch of guys, but there are a bunch of guys I like for cash. I'm less in on Durant. Uh, and Miritich and Curry on Yahoo than I am on the other sites. I think Davis is probably the one you want to spend up for. But if you don't have that 58 bucks that Davis costs, the $48 for, uh, for Kev Durant is probably the direction that I would go there over on uh, good old Yahoo DFS. Let's flip it over now to Game three. Three of the Rockets and the Jazz series, the Utah Jazz getting a stunning victory in game two. They were up huge in the first half. The Rockets came back, took the lead, and the Jazz steadied and got the victory in the end. Um, Dante Exxon was excellent in this game. Look, an absolutely massive dunk to end the, uh, pretty much end the game. 18 minutes really restricted Jim Harden when he was out there on him, had nine, four, and two. And I wouldn't be stunned to see those 27 minutes that Royce O'Neal got, the eight minutes that Hull Neto got, for some of those minutes go to, going towards Exum. Quinn Snyder closed the game with an Exum-Mitchell backcourt, which could be the future of this team in the backcourt. So while I don't think there'll necessarily be a starting lineup change with Rubio out again, If Exum moved in for Royce O'Neal, I wouldn't be completely stunned. He was really, really strong on Harden. I say he was strong. Harden still played well, but it was mainly the times when Harden, when Exum was off that Harden really got going. Jingle and Joe was sensational. 27 points with seven triples on 77% shooting. In fact, the Jazz shot 47% from three in this game, a number which is absolutely bound to go down, but still obviously big numbers. Alec Burks also stepping up. In uh, in place of Rick Rubio, seventeen points with six assists, and he has been great. Well, Derek Favors is finding it hard to stay on the court against this Houston team. Only twenty-one minutes with zero fouls because Jay Crowder is playing well, and these other guys like Burks and Exam and O'Neal are filling in those gaps against this. Uh, the the way the Rockets Rockets play. The Don did not shoot well, 29% shooting, but still was really impactful with 11 assists and and Gobert and, and Crowder played well too. On the Rocket side of things, Ryan Anderson barely saw the court, same with Nene, they combined for only 11 minutes with Capella getting the other center minutes and PJ Tucker. We saw Gerald Green back in the rotation who wasn't there in game one and he took some of those Ryan Anderson minutes and Luke Marmute also lost some playing time to Green, but it's not like there's massive, massive changes to the way this rotation ran that's going to have big impacts for us from a DFS point of view. Um, three, that three guys go over twenty points in this game: the Rockets, Harden, Capella, and uh, and Chrissy Paul. Let's look at it from DFS now. The Rockets are favored by four back in Utah. The total is two hundred and seven points. Point guards, we're looking at Chrissy Paul at eighty-eight hundred. Didn't have the best game in game two. Still had 41 points though. I think 8,800 high to use him in cash, but he could very easily be a 50-point guy. So that makes him a tournament guy. And the guy who I would have a look at is Exum. And that's mainly because he comes in at 3,000. He had 16 points in those... 18 minutes that he played. As I said, I think there's a chance that he pushes up to 20, 21, 22 minutes. And at $3,000, he could get you 17 or 18 points. And by then that's the value already made up. So he is an interesting sort of option here, far from having a sky high ceiling, but getting some of these other players in with some of the high prices on Fangio, Exum could be one of those guys that works for you. Hal uh, Neto's at 2000 I wouldn't be going that direction. Shooting guards, the Dons at 8,900. I I fear that might be just pushing... Uh, just pushing a little bit too high for for the Don. I love what he's been doing at that eight one eight two mark a lot of the time. With other games on, with Clay Thompson uh, as a shooting guard option as well. Maybe spending that much on the Don isn't the best way to go, especially when you can go cheaper at that position. You can get four thousand on Alec Burks, which I really love. Twelve five for Jimmy Harden, another strong high price guy that you can throw in. Eric Gordon at five thousand. I'd probably take the five thousand on Gordo, enabling me to have these other players like Durant. Like Draymond in my lineups as my high price guys over the Don for the small forwards, Jingle and Joe's at 6,700, just continually impressing. I think that Ingles is, is a fairly good option here as a cash small forward, not over a guy like Durant, obviously. But if you're finding, you're know, trying to find that mid range price player, he's okay. You've got Iguodala also as an option there from that first game, and then you've got Trevor Ariza at 4,500, who's doing jack shit. Royce O'Neal, PJ Tucker. And Gerald Green, I wouldn't be getting interested in either of those guys. O'Neill would be good if he was a $3,000 guy, but he's up to $5,200, so that's a, that's a fade. At power forward, Derek Favors is at $5,800. Hate the way that the minutes are transitioning for him, so that's a no there. While well, jumping Jay Crowder's at 5000 Love Crowder at that price. Really, really love it. A strong, cheap. Him and Alec Burks, two really strong, cheap guys, enabling you to put some of those other high price players in. Marmoutse and Ryan Anderson should be avoided. At center, Gobert's at seventy nine hundred, and then you've got Capella at eighty nine hundred on FanJul, You're pretty much going to have to pick one of those guys. If I'm picking one, it's going to be Gobert at seventy nine hundred, just because I'm saving a thousand dollars. Yeah, eighty nine hundred for Capella is a big amount. He had forty six in game uh, game two, but Gobert defense can be a concern. We've seen it many times, and I'll save that thousand bucks and I'll spend it in another position. That's the way that I would prefer to go. Uh, with, uh, with Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella. That's pretty much the, uh, that's pretty much the way that you need to, uh, need to look at, at because you're not getting a center from that first game. Over on DraftKings, and Capella at 6,700 is stupid low. Love that. Love that. 5,700 for Ingles, All about it. And 74 for Chris Paul. All about it too. The Don, Don Mitchell, 8,300. That's a more reasonable price on DriveKings, but he's still behind some of those other guys. Jimmy Harden at ten eight is a no-brainer. Jay Crowder and Burks at 47 and 42 also really fill that need for a cheap-priced player. Uh, Royce O'Neal, this is the sort of price I'm talking about, 3,500 for Royce. If they say he's going to start, that could be a tournament guy. We've seen him have a couple of big games during the season. A 38-pointer was his highest-scoring game, and 38 points at 3,500, and that came when he was in a starting role. He could very easily do that again. So that would be a tournament sort of a, sort of an option for Royce O'Neill. On Yahoo, uh O'Neill minimum salary and PJ Tucker minimum salary are two interesting guys. In fact, Tucker at minimum on Yahoo, I think is that's a really strong cash play. I like Ingalls and I love Burks at twelve bucks, both for cash over there as well. Same as the Don, Jay Crowder and Jim Harden. I think they all have really strong cash appeal, whereas Paul Exham uh and O'Neill and Clint Capella are more tournament guys that you want to look at over on Yahoo. Guys, that brings us to the end of another podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you know the story, five-star rating, and a review. That's a great way of helping out. And make sure you're supporting the podcast, or if you want to, at patreon.com slash redrock underscore b Access to the Red Rock Dynasty Leagues, Red Rock Listener Leagues, the Slack channel, and my 2018 NBA Fantasy Statistical Projections. The early edition of those is out over there, which you can check out. Find this podcast on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a subscribe. Leave a comment on YouTube as well. And we are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Tony Warren Jr.